know, I've been do- meaning to do an ancestry test for some time now, but every single time I keep looking, I just don't go through with it because I'm under the same impression that I'm not going to find anything that goes back further than my great great grandparents. I mean, like I, I do understand that. Then again, like it's also different for me just because I'm American, right? And so we do have particular records. I mean, they go back only a certain, you know, they they only go back so far, but we we have them. But what I've learned from researching my own family, which I think is a belief that a lot of black Americans may also have is that we can't find anything that there's this brick wall that you kind of can't get past. But when I've done my own research, I've gone back way further than I thought I would. And there's different reasons, right? There's, yeah, there's, you know, records of property, there's property records, census records, but there's also like personal accounts that, you know, of information from back in the day, back in the day that somebody might have, right? You might also look at newspapers from way back when. There's all different types of information to look at. And then honestly, I still learn a lot from just trying new ways of searching, right? Just like you, you come up with new creative ways to search for information or type in information. And then you, you, might, you might find something, something might pop up. And every single time you do this, are you surprised each time? Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it's, sometimes it's not surprising, but sometimes it definitely is. I don't know. Sometimes it's it's good to like actually, you know, the stories that you may have heard about family and then to actually see something that correlates to it is amazing. And then new, completely new, out of nowhere bits of information are the best. It's like a small victory, right? Until like you then need to go further and search more. You know, sometimes you find photos, sometimes you, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of nice. Like just sometimes it's just different personal things about somebody, like some, some part of their personality you know, might've been written about. And it's fascinating. I was asking my dad, dad, I'm going to submit an ancestry DNA test because I want to know about all of our family scandals. I want to know about the family drama. And he's like, I don't think that's how it works. Yeah. I wouldn't say that that's how it works. I mean, honestly, the best way to get information in addition to taking a DNA test is to talk to relatives. So those are relatives that either you know, or don't know. The results you get from the DNA test can be very helpful, meaning the the DNA matches. So they're going to, they call them cousins, like genetic cousins. They don't, they're not always your cousin, right? It could be like an aunt, uncle, you know, or it could be like a cousin that's like removed, right? It could be a cut, like a first cousin twice removed or a second cousin. And they may have information on the family because they share let's say a great grandparent or a second great grandparent. So they may have photos, they may have documents that they may be willing to share with you. And that's a lot of fun too. Yeah. And something that I've just realized is that, I mean, I can't speak for all Indian American immigrants or all, you know, first generation immigrants, but what I've noticed is that people who actually do DNA testing or just wanting to learn more about their ancestry, they are not generally first generation immigrants. And one theory I have could be because, well, as a first generation immigrant, A lot of your family is back in the home country and there is that distance. So first it's like, you just want to figure out and get closer to your first degree family. And then, so finding out five degrees or five generations away, that's not even in your 
mind. That's not even in your like thought process because you're so focused on creating stronger relationships with your first or second generation family. I would say, I mean, I think that even if, let's say, like me as an American, there are certain members of my family, you know, extended family that I know well, and then there are others that I don't know at all. And it's just because either you've been around them or you haven't. So America is a very, the United States is a very large country. And just because they may, I mean, they might seem like you should know that part of your family, you may not. And so that was a thing for me too, which is, okay, I do want to get to know these people. I want to know who they are. Because on my mother's mother's side, right, my maternal grandmother, I don't know most of her family. So that was part of the reason that I started looking up information because I don't know them and I would love to get to know them. And then you come to find out maybe there's a reason why they don't interact with you <laughs> all that much but like you wouldn't know that until you actually find this information it's so it's not always about I, i'm not sure everybody starts out with the whole i want to know five or six generations back yeah i would i now i want to know but in the beginning it was more about okay this is the part of the family i know the least about she is not going to tell me too much about them she was very tight-lipped about discussing them like she would discuss her parents but only to a certain extent and so i really didn't know anymore. So the idea was, okay, I need to find these people and learn about them, which I've learned a great deal. Still not enough. Finding out certain people that you may be related to is really interesting, but are they going to give you the information that you want as well? So I think that it's it, not to say that, not to say that I'm like, I guess, diminishing your, your, your concern, right. For doing a DNA test as, as an immigrant, but it's not always like that easy way of looking at things like, oh, for Americans or for British people or for French people, right? It's going to be so easy and they can do this, right? Because they have this idea that they can go back so far and find things. Well, that's not always true either. So it's it's really, each family has a different situation in terms of researching information. Honestly, I could come up with all different kinds of excuses. Exactly. <laughs> deep down, it just could be because I might be afraid of what I'm going to find out. What, what would you be afraid of finding out? I don't know. I think sometimes we, we talked about this, how when people do DNA tests, some I think some people go into it having an idea of this is what they want to find. And then when they don't find that, they get disappointed. Oh, I see that all the time. I, I 100% see it all the time. Which is, which is really interesting. Like people have this idea of who they are or what they are. And when the results don't match their expectations, I've seen people like get results on family tree DNA and have like never signed in again. I'm assuming it's because they did not expect those results. I mean, I'm not going to mention this per the particular group that I see do this, but I'd say some people do it more than others. Just, just saying. <laughs> And that's what we wanted to learn about. And we wanted to investigate in terms of how common this is, why people feel this way. And one reason is that DNA tests and finding your ancestry is very, very emotional. It's an emotional task. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of results. There's all kinds of things that can pop up, right? Like your, your parents may not be your parents. You may not know you're adopted, right? Or maybe your father is not your father or your grandfather is not your biological grandfather. Like there's all these different things, right, that can pop up and sort of unleash secrets within the family that that were meant to stay hidden, that people did not expect these things to come to light, but 
they are because it's possible. This is now it's an everyday thing, right? Everybody does this all the time. It's become normal to get a DNA test and look up your results. They were bound by the cloak. (laughs) (laughs) To learn more about genealogy, finding your ancestry and DNA testing, we talked to the expert, Anthony Adolf. Yes, his last name is Adolf. He's a genealogist, broadcaster, and writer based in the UK. Anthony, thanks so much for taking the time. We're really excited to talk to you. That's quite all right. Anthony, can you tell us about your personal journey, how you got into genealogy, and if you ever thought you would be in this field? Well, okay, I'll correct you first of all by saying it's genealogy, genealogy, um, which is it means the, the, the study of generation. Um, and it is a sort of allergy in the sense that once you've caught the bug to trace your family history, you're never going to get rid of it again. I grew up in, in England, um, near London, with the surname Adolf, which is, of course, a German surname. I say of which, I say of course, but actually that wasn't obvious at that stage. So everyone teased me at school and said, are you related to Adolf Hitler? And at the age of four or five, of course, I had absolutely no idea of the answer. And my parents didn't really have a clue about their family history. They weren't interested in it at all. They never spoke about it because they didn't know anything about it. And so I grew up in complete ignorance as to why I had this ludicrous surname that singled me out from everybody else and made me the subject. Quite a lot of bullying, really. And so when I got into my teens, I, I just started to try to find out why I'd been landed with this ludicrous surname. And I traced my family history back. And over a period of years, I am making many, many mistakes. All the mistakes I see people making nowadays, I did manage to trace my family back to Germany in the early 19th century. And I found my ancestor was an immigrant who'd come to London. And I managed trace back a certain way further back in Germany before the records ran out, which of course is the great problem with genealogy because you can only really go as far as the records will go in the country concerned. And, and that, that's, that's it really. And, and, and in the course of doing that, I found it so interesting and so fascinating that um, I, I, I carried on. I, I'd started tracing other lines of my family history back. I did have, I've got a lot of English ancestors I've also got a quarter Irish ancestry, so I started tracing that back as well. And I, I, I was absolutely fascinated by it. I did. I studied history at university and actually spent a lot of my time actually not studying history, but tracing my own family history. So I didn't come out with a very good degree at all. And indeed, once I have come, had come out of university with my not very good history degree, I thought, well, the only thing I can possibly do is you know, become a genealogist because there's nothing else I was particularly interested in at the time. So I went off and and to a place in Canterbury um, that took in, well, they said students, it was actually slave labour, but um, um, they, they called it all the students. And we, we worked away, we worked very hard to create their income. And in the course of that, we, we, learned, uh, we learned how to be professional genealogists. And eventually I rose to the top of that place and, and, and stayed there for a while. And then eventually went freelance. And in the course of my career, I've made quite a lot of television programmes and done a lot of radio broadcasting and talking about genealogy, partly, of course, out of self-interest, because it pays quite nicely and it attracts clients, but also also to explain to people what this subject is and to explain why it's so interesting, why it's so 
helpful. Um, I think it's a very helpful subject. If you want to understand yourself, there are obviously a lot of different aspects to yourself to understand. But one of them is, where do you come from? Why have you got your surname? Why have you got the skin colour you've got? Why have you got this Christian name? Why do you um, why do you prefer eating mar marmalade in the morning and, and chocolate in the evening? It's all the, it's all, there's so much that we inherit from our parents and our grandparents and from our past. And I think if you can understand a lot of that through tracing your family history, you will in inevitably understand yourself and your family a bit better. Um, so I think there are many reasons why. Maybe I should do look into my past because I need something that explains my cake addiction. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, we see we inherit. I mean, we inherit so much. Yeah. We inherit all our genes. And of course, you can talk about the genetic side of things now until the cows come home. Mm -hmm. But actually, yes, there are. We inherit from, well, we inherit from whoever brought us up. So many different mannerisms and expressions and attitudes and things which we sort of think are part of ourselves until we begin to explore. I wish I, wish I can now come up with some fantastically good examples, because actually I do have some of little traits that come down in families that you can sort of find coming down generation by generation. My mind's a complete blank. I might come back to that later if something popped into my mind. But sometimes you can have a something that will come down through the generations, uh, you know, for, for, for hundreds of years. And, and it'll be something which you say or something which you do. And then suddenly you'll find the same thing being said or done in one, in one, by one of your ancestors 200 years ago. And you'll think, good gracious, it's been going for that long. Um, and and, and so, 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 so many things. And then, of course, there are the major big things like, for example, our surnames, um, which most of us inherit down what well, most of us inherit down the male line traditionally anyway although there are actually many different routes by which surnames come down come down through through the mothers and in fact more and more actually surnames are passing down through mothers because some people aren't getting married before they've had children but anyway the surnames wherever they've come from come down and they like it or not they do label you and they identify you it's only one part of your ancestry but it's a big part in the sense that it's the bit that labels you so if your surname is in my case, German, then you can live in England all your life and be as English as I am. And yet you're always going to have that sort of bit of bit that says, look, here's someone who's from Germany. Of course, there are many people who are going to be listening to this, including perhaps you yourselves, who are thinking, yes, my surname labels me in some way. And 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 so, and again, so you want to know, it's good to know, well, where, where does that come from? Why have I got this surname? What does it mean? Most people don't even know what their surnames mean. So all, all these things, I think, are just useful useful ways of understanding ourselves and of understanding the world. I was wondering, because you mentioned wanting to find out more about your family and your ancestry, in the beginning, did you find anything to be particularly difficult in terms of researching your own family? Probably the most difficult thing in my case was finding out where, I, I, I knew that my ancestor came from Germany, and the most difficult thing was finding the actual place that was the hardest thing and of course anyone listening you're in america so anyone in america well sorry i'm not i'm sorry that's completely wrong to say that isn't it almost everyone in america oh, almost the, everyone the native americans <laughs> um, okay and even they came from somewhere else actually, yeah originally yeah. Uh, you know during the ice age but anyway but so many people in america have got migrant ancestors who came from came from europe or asia or africa and, and always the problem is, okay, well, let's try and find out the country. So maybe you will find the country the person came from. But then in most cases, 
the records, if there are any records in that country, will be kept on quite a local basis. Now, actually, in Britain, we have big central archives. And oh, actually, wow. okay. it's not that difficult to, once you've discovered someone from Britain, there are, the archives are well organised. And, and, and from the 19th century onwards, a lot right. of the major records were kept centrally. So actually, it's not such a problem in Britain. But most other countries, if they kept records at all, kept them on a local basis. So if you discovered, say, your ancestor was from Italy, that's useless, completely useless, until you found the name of the town. And once you know the town, yeah. well, then you can go to their records and have a battle with them to try and get any information out of them. And, and, and that's the case with almost all countries in the world, apart from Britain, actually. And one of the reasons why genealogy is so incredibly popular in Britain, Britain is one of the countries where, where genealogy really got going and, and, and our enthusiasm has sort of spread out, I think, across the world. One of those reasons is that it's easier to do it here than in most other countries because our records are superb. They go back, in, in some cases, 500 or 1,000 years. A lot of them are well organised. So you can trace your family history quite sort of happily and quite easily, whereas in other countries, uh, access to the records is harder and indeed there aren't as many and they're disappointing. And, and so the, the subject's never really sort of taken off. And it's, it's sad. I mean, some, I, had a, I was hired a couple of years ago by somebody from, who was from Egypt. And they said, we'd like to have our family tree traced, you know, the way you're all having yours traced in Britain, as shown on the TV programmes. I mean, it's absolutely impossible. There are simply no old records, no, no old official public records in Egypt that were used to trace family trees at all. I and mean, I did look into it for him, just in case I was wrong. But there is nothing. So, I mean, you just can't do it. You might be lucky and find that your great-grandfather's got some old letters or a diary or a kept family records if you can find family records fine but 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 no there's no there's no great sort of there are no great archives like there are uh, in, in Europe or in or indeed in America and so so many in many countries it's disappointing you just can't do it that's one of the reasons why it's a popular subject in in places like Britain and America because in general we do have very good records going back a few hundred years at least I believe here the first census was 1790 and it may not be like a you know wide countrywide census because of the mm. year but you know there's certain areas where the census starts so that's a good starting point yes but even then your early censuses are, are, are incredibly disappointing aren't they no they are they, they, they might they'll be the head of the household and then yeah, this incredibly it, frustrating list of how many males are over 25 how many yeah, females yep. are under 25 and you think i don't care yep. about the numbers exactly so it's a very frustrating business going back into that period in america because then yeah i mean i've had to look at that census and say okay this is the guy i was looking for this is the gentleman yeah. but then i have to find any personal family records right or church records that may yeah exactly and, 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 and there's a lot of guesswork and frustrating guesswork yeah. I mean, the, the key thing in, in, in tracing, in genealogy, the key thing which we always look for are records that identify people in relation to other people. So it's fine to find a record saying, here's Fred Blog buying a cow right. or buying but, a bit But of it land needs more information. What yeah. you need for genealogy is, here's Fred Blog and his wife, Frida, <laughs> or his son, John, or something. As soon as you've got a record that connects two people together, then you're off. They're the building blocks. And unfortunately, when you get to the point in America in the, in the early 19th century, you often get to the point where you might find names of people recorded, say, often with land transactions, loads of those, aren't there, um, and other, other things. 
but sadly they seldom give you any connection to other people and so you'll you can have a list of names in the same county or the same and you can have a list of names going back and think well okay these probably are father and son but sadly what you will seldom get for the 18th century or earlier confirmation that those people are related and that that is, is absolutely maddening whereas in this country we have our parish registers, our superb parish registers that go right the way back. Well, they started in the 16th century, so in the 1500s. And from near the beginning, they would say baptized Mary, daughter of Joseph or something like that. And so, so from if they've survived from the 15th century, which many don't, but I mean, if they do, then right the way back, you've got this, these, you've got these names connected up in terms of parents and children. That's how we can trace our family trees so well here. Sadly, isn't the case in many other countries. Is tracing family ancestry possible in other sort of colonial or old colonial strongholds? So India, for instance, or, or any other place outside of England? Well, not, or, nearly, or no, not nearly so much. It's, it's, okay. it's, a, it's terrible shame. Okay. And, and you're speaking to someone who's made Quite a lot of TV programs which have in fact tried to tried to trace people in this country who've got ancestors from particularly Asia and Africa, try to trace back and then see what we can find. And it's 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 just really sad, but I mean there's very little. There are the, 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 usually what well, usually you can't <laughs> because there just aren't any records. What you can sometimes find if people became if people were baptized into, into a Christian church in Asia, Africa. Then, then that, that church record, those church records will, will give you the baptisms and the marriages. And so you can trace back. And so I've traced families in India, in, in the, the, the south, um, southwestern part of India, which was heavily Christianized. And so you trace Indian families back through the church registers until the point where the first person was baptized into that okay. church. And they won't even give you the original Indian name, you know. So you just basically get, so you'll have the person being baptized and saying, right, they're now called Andrew or Thomas or something. Wow. Some Christian name. Sorry. But they won't even often give you the name they had before. And so the line just stops absolutely abruptly at that point. Um, and so that's unusual. It's unusual if you can find that. With regard to Indian, I, I once spoke to an Indian. An Indian archivist, actually, and I said, I said when I was younger, sort of your age, asking these questions. I said, so we can trace so far back in Britain. Why can't you trace so far back in India? And he said one word answer. He said termites. <laughs> and um, yeah, so basically, if anything had been recorded, it's not going to be okay. there anymore. But wow. no, they, they they just didn't they didn't record things in those ways. Yeah, I was told and. People listening might be able to explore this. If you've got Indian, if you've got Hindu ancestors, I was told that you could find the right Brahmin or priest in a place like Varanasi, where people go on pilgrimage. That I, I was told that families go back to the same priest or the same particular sort of spot where the priests are, generation after generation. And actually, there they did keep records of, of who the families were. I've heard this. I've never seen physical evidence of this. And I think probably trying to put that into it practice would be would be very difficult um, and I think that's also exceptional so in general no you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to find records which will enable you to go back nicely the the, the, the thing which you can do once in a blue moon 
is if you is if you can find somebody in the place where the family where you're well, okay the first problem is finding where the family came from at all but if you ever did and you went there sometimes you can find old people there who could perhaps recite a family tree recite some grand pedigree going back sort of three or four generations or 10 or 20 generations you know and you and you hear again these stories and occasionally i have seen from africa i've seen people say well here's a list of 10 or 20 generations of our ancestors and so if you can make that incredible connection that's absolutely fantastic but of course that's just one in a million you know and, and in many cases you're just not going to be able to do that and again you might get such a list and think great but in fact actually is it that interesting you know it's going to be a list of names and unfortunately what you don't get from that sort of oral from that sort of oral genealogy great though it is what you don't get is any sense of who they were, and you can't find out. Right. You can't go to other records to find out. So you might get a list of names, I say, you know, 10 or 20 generations, but there's nothing to say specifically where they were, what date, how old they were when they died, what they did, what they were like. There's nothing at all. So, so they can be sort of um, great to find, but also frustrating for the lack of detail. Um, so I'd, I'd say with anyone, never give up um, until you've tried. But be aware of the fact that in many, many parts of the world, unfortunately, the records are, are just not of the sort yeah. of standard you might expect if you've um, grown up in, 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 in America or, or in Europe, um, because, because they're not. So, but it's always worth finding out. And of course, the great thing which anyone, anybody, anybody can do um, is, is, is do what the, the first and most basic um, step in genealogy is. Which is to just start talking to your relatives, talking to first of all older relatives, obviously, to really find out what they know and what they can tell you and what they can remember. But also actually to talk to cousins of your own age, because of course they might have inherited things like old letters or, or papers, or, 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 or indeed they might just remember, they might remember their own grandparents talking about. Um, where the family came from. So one branch of the family might have a lot more knowledge than your branch. And of course, that can just go on and on. You can spread that out almost ad infinitum. You can talk to your aunts and uncles and your first cousins, but then you can talk to your, your second cousins and you can talk to your third cousins. And of course, the great thing with the internet um, now is, of course, you can now find much more distant relatives than ever before. And of course, if you have a, a DNA test, then that gives you great lists of the genetic second third fourth fifth cousins and so actually the opportunity of, of talking to living people and then asking them what they can tell you about your origins is the opportunities are increasing and um and i think particularly actually um countries where the records aren't very good the more genetic cousins you can find and interview the better um, and indeed, it must be, I mean, compared to 20 or 30 years ago, if you have sort of um, relatives from, from, say, or if you're from, uh, say, Africa or, or, or Asia, that, of course, nowadays, you, you, through a DNA test, you can potentially find um, relatives in that country who are definitely second, third, fourth cousins. And, of course, then if you talk to them, goodness knows they can tell you so much. You know, sort of, um, never been able to, uh, information you might never have been able to access before. So you might not be able to get back. A great distance, but you will be able to establish a, a very good network, hopefully of, of closest relatives who can then give you a lot of information on on what life was like there and who, who the more recent family were.
Yes. It's it's like it creates this gap. Like you can search, you know, from what you know when you ask family, which is what I did. I asked my mm-hmm. grandmother, and she she died at 108. Um, so she was, well, she'd bad. been. And you were able to interview her. Mm. I mean, I, I did her DNA test before she passed away. Actually, because yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad I did that. Gosh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I did it on family tree DNA, which at the time was the only one, the only company who did the autosomal test. Yes. And then checking my facts, they're the ones who pretty much invented it. Yeah. That was before Ancestry.com actually came out with theirs. Um, So I had to do that. I've been been working with them for about I've been working with them for about 25 years, actually. I remember remember when they came out with that. Yeah, they've been out for for a long time. Like many of you, before speaking to Anthony, I had no idea the different kinds of DNA tests that they had. There are three different tests, autosomal, mtDNA, and yDNA. The autosomal test is the most common DNA test that's offered, especially through major companies like Ancestry.com and 23andMe. This is the test that really goes back about seven or eight generations. And this is the one, you know, where you swab the side of your cheek or you spit into a tube and you send it in. You wait for a few weeks and you get back a result, a pie chart that says you're 20% Nigerian or you're 70% Irish and whatever your percentages are. And how they actually do this is that they approximate your genetic makeup by comparing your DNA with other people. So it's really interesting because you might be surprised to hear that you're a certain percentage of something and you never realized it because of the mass migration that's happened with humans throughout the years. The second test is the mtDNA test where you can trace the origin of your maternal line all the way back to the first ancestry. So you wanna learn about your mom's side of the family, this is the test that you take. And just like that, the yDNA test is the test that helps you trace back your paternal line all the way back to its origin to the first ancestor on your dad's side. So it's kind of cool that if you want to learn more about your mom's side, you take the mtDNA test. If you want to learn more about your dad's side, you take the yDNA test. And if you just want to learn more about yourself overall, you take the autosomal test. And if any of you have taken any of these tests, let us know. We want to know which ones you took and what you thought. And so I've, you know, I've done everybody else in my family as well, but it was good to get information from my grandmother. And then, mm. you know, she had a great deal of information up to a certain point, yes, but then, course, yes. yeah, then once you do but the DNA test, it's up you, to a certain, if it's up to a certain point for a 108 year old, then that, that's, a, that's quite a good <laughs> certain point. And yeah. you're ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> because there's information that I don't think I would have found otherwise. So then when you do, you know, send messages to the matches that you you find on family tree DNA or even ancestry, um, you can get a, a lot more information. They have information, they have documents, they have all these things that they can share with you. And I've I've spoken to people who I'm distantly related to, but they have actually traced it, you know, they I mean there might be gaps, right? You might know 300 yes. years here, then you might not know what happened for another 300 years, but then you can go back further and then you wind up in in Africa or Asia and then you have mm. I don't think beginning. you need me at all. You don't need to talk to no. me. I think you're, I think you're, I, you, <laughs> I, I've been, I don't know. I've been doing this since I was a teenager and, and I'm, I've always had an interest in it. It's just always been something. And a lot of my other family members don't 
they're not as interested. So it's, it's always weird because I get excited when I find something and I want to say something to them and they're just like, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. But I'm going to go back to yeah, what well, there I was some, I mean, I found this years ago, there are some people who are incredibly interested and other people who are absolutely, it means nothing to them at all. But that's fine because there's plenty oh, yeah. of us who are interested and yeah. that's, that keeps us enough to keep you busy. And um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm assuming like from the clients you've worked with, um, is it a, it's a combination of doing the DNA test and research. And uh, some people, I don't know, maybe it's just, I know about it here in America. I don't know, you know, in other places, if it's also as, as much of a thing, but here, a lot of people, you know, they always question the validity of the DNA test and they don't mm. necessarily understand their results. Sometimes they don't like their results. Mm. And, you know, you try to explain that, you know, no, this, this is science. This is, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a DNA test that can tell you certain information is how you interpret it. So I don't know if you've had to explain to your clients, uh, you know, how to interpret their DNA results uh, oh, that might give yeah. them locations and give them matches that, that, you know, they might not understand. Sometimes explaining DNA and inheritance can be a little confusing for people. Most people are aware if you have two parents, you get 50% of your DNA from one and 50% from the other. It's actually a little more complicated than that. Some people are really surprised to see that that little bit of Swedish or that little bit of Italian does not pop up in their DNA results. And here's why. Like I said, generally you get 50% of your DNA from one parent and 50% from the other. So just because you get 50% does not mean that you get all of your parents' genetic markers. They don't all pass down to you. This means that you might get some, you might get most, but you may not get all. You might get half because your parents also inherit DNA markers from their parents and so forth and so on. So they kind of trickle on down and you may not get all of the DNA markers that your parents have. This means that you and your sister may show up with the percentage of a particular ethnicity while your brother may not, and vice versa. This is different from gene expression, which would be, let's say, for instance, three of your kids having brown hair, black hair, and one having blonde. This doesn't mean that you're any more or less related to a relative or ancestor. It just means that you don't have all of the same genes. Think of it this way. You have two parents and they have two parents, which means that you have four grandparents which would mean that you have eight great-grandparents. And it just kind of keeps going. The reason you may not acquire all of the genetic markers that your parents have, it's because DNA is passed down randomly. Like I said, you might have 2% Swedish and your sister may have 0% Swedish when you do an ancestry test. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not related to the ancestor that had the Swedish DNA or that was from Sweden. It just means that you don't acquire their DNA markers. And that would then mean that your child is also not going to acquire those DNA markers, unfortunately. But that's okay. It's random. And now back to Anthony. No, well, yes, 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 I do have to. Yes, you do have to explain DNA results. I mean, it's a funny thing that... Genetics is, is mind-blowingly complicated, and, and, and most people, particularly me, have absolutely no, no glimmering of an idea as to how they, 
how the the, the, the science works or how they. Uh, but the great thing is, I worked. I, I was started to use genetics or genealogy. Um, well, it's about twenty sort of about thirty years ago, really. And actually, I realised quite early on. And I was sort of amongst the, early, amongst the first genealogists who sort of cottoned on to this. But I realised early on that actually you don't really need to understand the science particularly. And actually what it tells you as a genealogist is actually astonishingly simple, really. I mean, in terms of the, the, the autosomal test, which basically that's a, that is a test that looks across your whole genome. And then it looks for sections of genes sections of the same genes in other people and that, that have been inherited from the same source, which is how you know that they're cousins. And so it's actually terribly simple. So when it, yes, yeah, so, so when it sort of says, you know, the, this person here has inherited, you know, a 16th of the same amount of genes as you, so therefore you must be a whatever, a third or fourth cousin. There it is. It's just, it, you don't need to understand all the sort of mind-boggling science behind it. It just says, this person's a cousin, and then it's done. Then, then it's down to you to try and work out how. That's the difficult bit. And and then the other, the old, the more traditional sorts of, of DNA testing were the ones that looked at genetic markers which were inherited down particular lines. So the the old, this old, I mean, it's almost old fashioned now. The old fashioned DNA <laughs> testing was, was on the Y chromosome, which comes down right. from father to son, and which women never don't inherit, otherwise they'd be men. And that Y chromosome can be tested. So my Y chromosome was tested years and years ago. And, and you know that that's come from your father and that came from his father. So you know the right. line that's come yep. down, uh, even though it goes back beyond what you can trace. And so that, so, so that tells you just one thing about your family history. And it tells you where your male line ancestry came, has, has come from over thousands and thousands of years. Mine, incidentally, was from the, 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 um, the, the, far, the far east, from Middle East, from the, from the sort of... Um, the turkey, the turkey or goose, oh, okay. which I found astonishingly surprising when I first yeah. discovered it, because I assumed I'd have a sort of ger a German male line ancestry. In fact, before Germany, they'd come from the Middle East. So there, there you go. And then the other one, which they traditionally tested, was the, the mitochondrial DNA, um, which is passed down from the mother in her egg to all, both all her offspring, but which then only gets passed down then from girls, women, to their ch children. So it's the theme, it's the marker for the female line. So, so that tells all of us, you and me, uh, who where our mothers, 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 mothers came came from. So again, that's um so and, and that's one that used to be tested. And again, it's a sort of it, it's an extraordinary thing that it's a sort of um of all the things that nature could have come up with for, for us in the as it was in the 20th century, was this extraordinary discovery that in our bodies were these little uh, coded messages that they'd managed to decode to say where your mother's family line and your father's family line came from. I mean, it's most extraordinary. It's not, nobody expected that and it just was discovered. And so everyone who had a test could just find this information out. And the point was that, it, that in many cases it confirmed the, 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 the lining obvious. So if you were sort of a white person living in, in rural England, then in many cases, the results of the test would say, yes, your ancestors were white people living in rural England. And again, if you were a black person in Africa, it would say, yes, your ancestors were black people in Africa. But what was interesting was that sometimes it didn't tell you what you were expecting at all. And you were asking, have I given sort of odd 
DNA results to people. And uh, yes, I have. I mean, I remember for one TV program, we did some DNA tests for people and it was a, a white, a white man who came from Southern Ireland. And his results on his male line went back to Africa. And well, he was absolutely, utterly astonished. <laughs> and he sort of said, well, how could this possibly be? And I thought, well, actually he came from, uh, he came from something, it's more like County Waterford, one of the ports anyway, on the south, on the south, southeast coast of, of Ireland. And I sort of thought about it and I thought, well, actually, it's quite likely that you, you probably, I mean, it wouldn't have been a sort of black person coming all the way up to, to right. Ireland, you know, straight off. It was probably somebody who'd come from Spain. And then the person in Spain had ancestors who came from North Africa. And then the person in North Africa had ancestors who came from sub-Saharan Africa, which is where this DNA trail definitely led back. So, so it was probably a very, very long process. It, you know, it could have been going on over sort of several thousand years <clears throat> for this one little one African gene to make its way all the way up to, to Southern Ireland. But there it was, and um, and I was talking earlier about the fact that you know you can um, your your surname give, defines you in a way that that is sort of disproportional to who you really are. And again, this one gene in him, well, he you know he had he's got he had loads of different ancestors, and it was just his one. It happened to be his male line ancestor and come from Africa. But there it was, and there's no denying it. And, and, and extraordinary that you can extraordinary that you could find such a thing out. Um, and, 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 and again, there are exactly the same. There are sort of people, there are black people in Africa or from Africa, who are then discovering that their, their genetic ancestors were, weren't, you know, came from here, came from Britain. Um, and again, you can try you then try and work out how that might have happened. So yes, it throws up these extraordinary surprises, and I think what it tells you, really, is is that you 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 can't just look at somebody and think, oh yeah, you're from there, you're from there, and you certainly can't try and sort of put people in convenient big sort of groups with a fence around them and say, right, you're that lot there, and you're nothing to do with us, because what genetics has told us, if we didn't realise it before, and what genetics has proved is how incredibly connected we all are. Whatever you think is is the case with your family history, it probably isn't. <laughs> and, um, and if you think you're not connected to someone else, somewhere else in the world, well, you probably are. <laughs> it's just a question of delving a bit further, and you might you'll find that out. So it's no, it's an extraordinary thing. I'm one of those people who is hesitant to find out about her family because I have this assumption that my family is from India, southeastern mm. India, and because of the lack of records. So it seems like my concern is valid because you talking about just Asia, especially South Asia, not having many records, that's still mm. true. I, I mean, one thing I have done is talking to my family members, but only goes back to my great grandparents and then it stops. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yes, it, it's... I, I think did you? I think you sort of started by saying that you're hesitant to sort of delve too much further. I, I mean, I, there are. I mean, there are people who are, as I say, passionately interested in going back as far as they can, and there are other people who who just aren't. And I think I think it's really a matter of sort of what methods you 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 as an individual use to define yourself. I think a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people. Sort of live in live in the here and now, and they define themselves in terms of the here and now, and that's it. I've got an aunt, for example, 
who 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 is will tell you everything about what she's done this week and what her children did this week. And if I begin, if I say anything about what I've discovered about our ancestors, she just switches off straight. She just absolutely switches off. Not because she's not, not because she's not interested, but because it just means nothing to her. Because you know her life is now in in this this bit of the twenty first century. Anyway, so so it affects different people in different ways. But if you are in, if you are interested to see what you can find out, I would say, well, yes, it's it is more difficult to trace family history in India than it is in in in, in the West because for the reasons I've said, mainly because of the lack of public records. But I would say just persist and yes, do you've got to, you really got to do it through personal contact with, with, with family. But the thing is, the amount that you'll get from family will probably surprise you in the sense that you can you can always go further. So you can talk to, you know, you can talk to granny, you can talk to granny's sisters, you can talk to her, your first cousins. But then you can start sort of extending that out a bit further. And saying, and when you talk to a cousin, you can say, "Well, is there anyone else I can talk to?" And they might say, "Well, yes, we've got this elderly relative here," you know. And they might, and and by sort of extending that network out, first of all, you'll sort of enjoy, you know, you could potentially just enjoy that process anyway. But then I think uh, you might be pleasantly surprised that you might then find some some relics somewhere, somewhere in amongst that great network of people. Somebody might say, "Well, there's a there's a." you know there's a temple there that the family been going to for the last 500 years or something like that you know you, until you make the inquiries you won't know what it is and, and there are records in, in india of families that families kept their records there are old photos there are all the sort of things you'd expect to find in any family they're harder to get hold of they're harder to find and some of them won't have survived because of the climate or because of other difficulties but there are things there so so if you just persist and keep asking, keep asking more people and building up more of a picture. You may be pleasantly surprised to find that there is something which, which has come down through the centuries, which is relevant to your family. And so, so the more you ask, the more you're likely to find something. Yeah, I think the thing with India is interesting because it's been colonized by so many different kinds of people, so many different mm. empires. So it has that rich history. And I am curious to know where I've where I come from and Mm. at the same time though my dad always would say that if you know someone's last name an Indian person's last name you you know where they come from and that's something that I've seen to be true you know when you're at a party with different sorts of Indians the last name oh you're Bengali oh you're from southeastern India, so it's yeah. really well, it's interesting. The same. That's the same. Same here, by the way. So yes, 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 yeah, yeah. And the more and the more you learn, the more you can place people in, in that way. Yeah, and yeah. I can do that with people. <laughs> I can do that with people in Britain. Yeah, all the, yeah. All the different families I've traced over the years. Sometimes I sort of say, "Oh, you're from Worcestershire, aren't they?" And they say, well, "How how do you know that?" You know, <laughs> well, it's, that's your surname. Obviously, comes yeah. from Worcestershire, doesn't it? So um, <laughs> yes, and so. So it is. It's a rewarding subject if you really go in, go into it in detail, and yeah. and once in a while, you know, you you dig away and you might find something extraordinary. Which, which is, you know, sometimes you, you find a surprise. You don't look. So yeah. Then you just, yeah. You just,
I just like to make the point we've been colonised a lot as well and invaded yeah. over the years. Yes. I live, I'm talking to you from the, the Welsh borders, from, I can see just, I can see a, a Welsh mountain from me here and I'm, I'm in England. And I mean, this area was absolutely sort of fought over time and again. And, and, and they were speaking Welsh here up to about 100 years ago, um, although it's now part of England. And, and, and we've, got a, we've got a great history of, of being, being taken over and colonised and, and bullied and pushed around. And, and I mean, we're a great Mongol <laughs> collection of people here. I mean, if you listen to the Brexit argument, you think we're <laughs> a proud nation that's never been conquered by anyone, but it's, it's, it's rubbish. We're yeah. quite the opposite. And so, <clears throat> and actually, I, 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 and a lot of the interesting aspects of British genealogy are actually when you do have all the different people piling in from all over the world and adding their genes to to our, our, our the mix here. I mean, we had the, the, the Irish, the, the, the potato famine in Ireland in the nineteenth mid nineteenth century. Um, that contributed vast pop- swathes of population to, to, to America, of course. Um, but many of the poorer Irish, the, the, the Irish who could afford it got the ships to America, and the Irish who couldn't afford it had to come over here to England. And so um, so we have a huge amount of Irish ancestry here in Britain, and I've, I've, a quarter of my ancestry is Irish as a result of that. And then, and then we do have people who came in from all over when, when, we, when we had our empire, we had what one of genealogists described as the backwash, which is we were we the British going out to the world and conquering everywhere else, um, including of course America at one stage. Then wherever we went, then in gene found people from those places, then came back into Britain and added to our mix here. And actually, it's funny you can't see it, but actually looking out of my window here, I can see our little churchyard over there. And there was sadly not there anymore. There was a gravestone there of of a black servant at one of the big houses nearby who was here in the 18th century and he was buried under what was at the time quite a grand gravestone saying what a great lot a wonderful loyal and wonderful person person this was and and goodness knows where he came i mean goodness knows specifically where he came from but he, he was one of the and, and there were other you hear other stories of black people who were servants or, or whatever in in little bits of wales and of course, their descendants are here. Their descendants won't be black anymore because mm-hmm. the, the color would have been spread out over the generations. But um, no, it's funny. But you know, so, so there could be local people here who are, who are now as white as can be, but actually who are descended from this black um, black servant who was buried in the graveyard. And I once did a, a radio program where we tried to we tried to do just that. Actually, tried to trace the descendants of a, a, a chap called John Istunian who was buried. Right over on the coast of Wales, below Mount Snowdon, um, and he was a black servant who'd married a white servant girl, had lots of children, but you couldn't find them. You just couldn't find the descendants anymore because they dissipated into the the local population, and they dissipated so well that actually we couldn't yeah. find where where they were. We sort of knew they were there, but we couldn't find them. So, so yes, no, we've had a, and in fact, find me a country, find a country anywhere that hasn't had a great sort of invade, you know, been invaded repeatedly and colonised repeatedly and whatever over, over the centuries and over the millennia. And of course, that's what our, we're getting from our genetic research. We're getting the sort of results of that and trying to unpick the incredibly complicated story of what has actually been going on. Yeah, because I've come across people who have, for generations, you know, their, their family has told them they might be Italian or they might be something mm. specific. And then once they actually 
do the work and do the research and do the testing and go back and learn, they find out that they're not exactly what they thought they were. Yeah. And it's it's not to say that you're not that, that your family is not from Italy, but they may have been from somewhere else. People mm. move, there's extra, people there's more to you know, it. Right. There's always, there's always more, more to, to it. it. Right. And I think that's a good reason why anyone should explore their family history is because it takes away this idea that you're just one thing and it makes you aware, opens your eyes to the fact that you are connected to so many different... I mean, we've, we've been talking about race, but I mean, it it can't it, it, class as well. You know, if you're mm-hmm. sort of a predominantly um, working class background, comes as an interesting eye-opener to discover that one of your ancestors was a, you know, was a titled aristocrat. Same way families, you think that they were all, always been aristocratic and above everyone else, will then discover that actually they've got sections of their ancestry that were anything but privileged. And um, so again, it's a, it's a genealogy is something which cuts relentlessly across all these ideas of barriers and boundaries. And I say reminders of how, how connected we are. And, and that, I think that's a very interesting thing. And then the other part of this of the subject, which I am finding increasingly interesting because I, I think, I, I mean, I think one of the reasons you contacted me was because uh, you know I've written various books, and and the book which is most relevant to this conversation called um, "In Search of Our Ancient Ancestors," when I really tried to explore the whole question of well, who who are we in terms of our family? I mean, once you've gone back beyond great granny and grandpa, you know, what is all this telling us? So I looked at genetics, and I, which which gets you back thousands of years. And then I looked at archaeology that gets us back into the early history of human civilization. And then, and then paleontology that gets you back into the origins of, of the human race altogether. And then I even went back further. I don't know whether you looked at this book or not. You should if you haven't. But then I looked at the whole matter of, well, okay, so who did humans evolve from? So I, I started the story with Big Bang. And then I came on to the, the beginnings of life on Earth. And then I sort of traced a line from beginnings of life on earth down through what, what science was telling us how we evolved and, and I was trying to find the specific types of animal that we that our were our direct ancestors so so in other words you know the time of the of the, the dinosaurs um I was sort of saying trying to find out what science thought our ancestors were doing well actually it turns out we were very small early mammals um, living in burrows trying to keep out of the way of the dinosaurs so I, I tried. To, I traced, I think, quite successfully, this line down from the origins of life down to um, the beginnings of humanity. When humans then spread out, but as I said, through genetics and through genealogy, you discover that actually, although you may predominantly belong to one branch of the human race in one particular country, one particular continent, actually, if you study your whole ancestry beyond what is actually possible to study, if you are able to you'd find actually you had ancestors from all the different branches of the human race anyway. And so there's, there's no part of the world inhabited by humans that hasn't actually got some connection to one way or another. I went into all that, and that's that book called Issues, it's called In Search of Our Ancient Ancestors. And I still think, although it's slightly out of date now in terms of the science, um, I still think it's um, it was a, a good effort of mine, <laughs> which I had at the time. But, I said, but then more and more, I think it's interesting then once you've comprehended the, the, the vast extent of our, of our true ancestry, stretching right the way across the world and right the back, way back through time. Once you've done that, I think it's very interesting then to just try, try to go into specific, and this goes back to the conversation, Chandy, we were having, I was trying to with you, that 
then it's interesting to just try and to go into detail and find as much sort of in, uh, unusual detail about your own immediate family as you can um, and see what will come out through detailed inquiries. And particularly places, you know, it's places, isn't it? So, so even if you can't find records to trace a family line, say in India, we're talking about India, you may not be able to trace a family line back in India. But if you can find a sort of a specific place where you know that your family lived, then you can go there and you can really sort of immerse yourself in that place and, and sort of and then and then whilst nosing around, you probably will find sort of some old buildings or old um, temples or whatever. And then you can ask, well, who was here? What was going on? And then you might find that there was some connection between them and you. And so that's that's the sort of thing, which I think is is an interesting thing to go into the once you've done the sort of big picture, is to then try and go into as much detail as you can and see see what emerges while you do that. So, so there are two sides of it. And the two sides are indeed genealogy, which is looking at the big family tree, and then family history, which is going into the nitty gritty and really trying to understand who the people were. I'm curious as to what is the most surprising thing you've learned? I mean, you've been doing this for decades, right? So. Yeah. I never, I can never answer that question properly, mainly because the most interesting things are, are what I did yesterday, really. You know, what's that? What did so you do yesterday? yesterday? <laughs> well, yesterday I wrote to somebody who was called Hennels, H E N N E L S. And I said, well, actually, the reason you couldn't find your ancestors was because in the 19th century they were called Havers. And that was because of a stepfather. So in other words, the mother had married a man called Havers, and then the children were brought up as Haverses. And then that surname stuck for a generation before they went back to what their original surname was. So as you go back up the family tree, you have Hennels, 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 then Havers, Havers. And then, not Hennels, but a, an earlier variant of the surname, which was Inolds, I-N-N-O-L-D-S. And so instead of a line of Hennelses going back unbroken, you've got Hennels, 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 then you've got these two Haverses because of the stepfather. And then before then, they weren't even spelling it Hennels, they were Inolds, I-N-N-O-L-D-S. And so that's only going back 250 years. Quite a different sounding surname with a gap of a couple of generations where they were using someone else's surname anyway. And that's only 250 years. I haven't got further back than that. But that's just one person, you see. So that's their, their identity based on what their surname is now. And I was able to say, well, actually, 250 years ago, your surname was actually quite a different sounding surname. It was the same surname, but it's, it's spelt differently and, and sounds slightly different. And, and then before, you know, you go back before that, you might find something different. So, so when you ask what's the most extraordinary thing I've ever found, it's, it's, it's sort of whatever it was, whatever the last curious thing was in, in, in a long list of, of oddities and curiosities and just finding just really sort of solving one thing i'd say actually is that that when family trees go smoothly you were saying you're you're a little hesitant to start because because i've told you that the records are well pretty much non-existent um actually when when a family tree goes very well and you just trace back generation by generation without much difficulty that's great but it's also can be a bit boring and the ones that are most interesting are usually the ones where there was a difficulty and a problem, but you then solved it. 
Of course, the other category are the ones that are difficult and then you never solve them. We don't talk about those <laughs> and you don't tend to think about them. But it's the ones where you find, eventually find the answer. And of course, it does help then when you've got a, uh, when you're working in archives on a family that actually was recorded in archives. But of course, we've all got those in our, in our families. And, 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 and the interesting thing is when maybe someone, yes, for example, somebody was using a surname, which was actually their stepfather's surname, or someone was illegitimate. So they maybe grew up using their mother's surname, but then the mother remarried. But then they discovered who their real father was, so they started using his surname. And that causes such trouble <laughs> for, for anyone trying to research a family line. But also, once you've worked it out, it makes a much more interesting story. And they're the ones that are the really interesting ones that you can then talk to, uh, uh, talk about on, on podcasts or for people who, who have parties. And of course, occasionally, yes, you do find that people are related to royalty or, or they're related to famous people. And of course, that's very, very exciting at the time as well. Um, it's also actually quite fun, really, when you sort of start off with a family story saying you're, you're related to someone famous and then find it's not true. That's quite interesting to prove that. And I, I, I mean, we get a lot of that, of course, <laughs> in my line of work. Nowadays, it's very easy to go online and within five minutes find a family tree proving that yeah. you are related to somebody very famous or, or related to find you're related to royalty. And almost always, of course, you found it on the internet, you're nodding, I can see. You found it on the internet. So, of course, it's not true. And so... So a lot of the work I get now isn't people, it's not people starting from scratch, it's people saying, I have found this family tree, so I'm saying I'm descended from British royalty. I mean, I'd really get this a great deal. And they say, but it does seem to be too good to be true, so can you investigate, please, and see whether or not it's correct? And of course, almost always, you go back through the original records properly and systematically, and you find that at some point somebody has just made a lazy connection and right. they've taken somebody of the same surname and said, oh, that must be their son. And they've just sort of connected, spliced them on and or cut and paste jobs. And, and, and it's really quite normal to find that nowadays. And, and so you end up going back saying, no, you're, as you suspected, this family tree isn't true. You're not descended from royalty through this route. But, you know, we've now know who the real ancestors were. So let's trace them and see who they were descended from. And sometimes you'll find actually more interesting connections. Maybe not as grand, but perhaps just more interesting. Maybe you'll find somebody who led a very interesting life and was well recorded. And, and, and that will be, and, and you know it's the real ancestor. And therefore it's much more interesting really than some easy, quick fix connection to royalty that wasn't, wasn't yours in the first place. And that, that's happening a lot. And, um, and thank goodness people do ask the question, yeah. um, is this family tree I found on the internet correct? And, um, and that gets you off, it gets you off onto your adventure. And actually, quite a lot of people, including to a certain extent me, did get started with some great family story that they thought, oh, that sounds wonderful. I, I, I was talking about one reason I started. Well, another one was I had a family tree saying I was descended from a Duke. And I thought, well, this is marvellous. I must explore that. And I did explore it, and I proved that I wasn't descended from the Duke. But in the process, goodness me, I found so much more. And um, I, 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 I've spent 30, no, 40 years starting as a teenager, getting started for the reasons I've said. But then the things I've found have been so interesting. They've led me off in so many different directions. I've written biographies of different people I've found I was related to uh, and, and, and found out so much. 
so yes, so so, so they the, the the family so family trees can just lead you in directions you're never going to expect before you started. And probably if you could sum up, we could sum up the entire conversation we've had, is that the family tree is very seldom ever going to confirm what you thought you were going to find in the first place. That's, I think, the, the thing which you can take from that, really. Yeah, so you have to dig. I'm curious mm. about if someone who was adopted has reached out mm. to you and how that changes things. Oh, yeah. Well, that happens a lot. The adoption rules in different countries are different, of course. In Britain, um, we had have had formal adoption since 1927. And so the state has the records of who the children were originally. So people here can apply to the state for their original birth record um, and will be given it. And then they'll come to me, this new identity they didn't know about, their their true identity. Um, And they'll ask to have their real biological family tree traced. And of course, it's all new to them. They have no idea, absolutely no idea who, who, who these people were. They didn't grow up. They, they didn't grow up knowing their real grandparents and their real cousins, and so they have no idea at all. So I start from scratch and trace a whole new family um, tree for them, and then give it to them, and then um, and then they will make contact with their biological families. And um, more and more people are very welcoming and, and very sympathetic. I know people are terrified of making contact. They, you know, with family they never contact, never heard from, heard of, heard of before. But in fact, nowadays I think most people are just fascinated and intrigued. And if you go to somebody and say, "Actually, your grandfather had an extra child on the side," you know, and I'm the I'm the, I'm the grandchild of that person, and um, most people will say, "Oh, how 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 marvelous, how interesting," you know, how sort of you know, I'm talk to you about it. It actually happened to me a few years ago. Somebody in Canada contacted me, and uh, we, we we worked out my great grandfather had a an extra illegitimate child um, who was her grandparent. And we, we, we were interested and we wanted to know more. Um, 100 years ago, it's a very different story, obviously. So, um, yes, no, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing for adopted people. They sometimes feel guilty that they're letting down their adopted family by wanting to know about their biological family. But, of course, you've got to know about the biological side, if, if only to find out about genetically inherited diseases and things like that. So... It's sensible to find that sort of thing out, and you've obviously got a perfect right to. Um, it doesn't mean you're rejecting the people who adopted you; quite the opposite. Um, but, but, it, but you know, in a sense, you know, it means you can have two. You've got two family trees, really. You've got your adopted family tree, and then you've got your biological one. So you've really got twice as much to explore, and there's absolutely no harm in um, in, in exploring both of them because they are both great major contributors to who you are. And it's nice nowadays that it's a lot easier for people to find their biological ancestors. And of course, using DNA tests, of course, finding their biological genetic cousins, which again, a, a lot easier than it used to be. I mean, a lot easier, vastly easier. In some cases, almost simple to find um, living relatives, which even 20 or 30 years ago would have taken you a lifetime of research to find if, if you ever going to find them at all. And it gets easier as more people take the DNA test, because I remember... Yes. A long time ago, not that many people took it. You know, it's hard to trace and, and find people, but now it's a lot easier. I mean, you could take the test and then a few weeks later, you, your first cousin might pop up and your first cousin. And then we're all contributing, really. We're all, yeah. by having tests, exactly. we're contributing to a, a growing pool of knowledge. And um, But again, that's where I go back to the details. Because again, 
you, you, you can be swamped now with a great such a long list of genetic cousins that you don't really know what to do with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, and there's too many. So I mean you don't need to look at all of them. Oh, you no. just need to and the interest is is going into the into the detail and then and finding out right. what they what they know. One one thing on that subject which I've I've found interesting over the years is finding pictures of ancestors. Yeah. And I when I, I one of the books I wrote is called Who Am I? And it's a, a book for children. And in it there's a family tree going back from me to my ancestors who lived in the mid-18th century. And there are pictures of each of them. And I explained in the book that I didn't, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I haven't published that family tree to show off, and I haven't published it because I grew up with a great line of portraits on the wall, and I've just put them in the book. Each picture came from a different source. And in most cases, they came from different cousins who I'd made contact with either through tracing the family tree or through DNA testing, mainly through tracing the family tree. And over the over about 30 years, it just so happened that different cousins had sent me pictures at different times. And eventually I was able, as I'd say, to put together a family tree of pictures of in that one direct line going right the way back to about, about 1750. And it took 30 years and each one came from a different source. So that's the sort of thing I mean by going into detail. And so, so over a long period of time, it's incredible how much material you can amass. And you can't set out to do it. Obviously, it's just luck. It's sort of luck in that sense. But if you put yourself out there and keep making the contacts, it's incredible what will eventually come back. And I think that goes for any country. In any country in the world, photography has been around since the 19th century. So there are going to be photographs of people, photographs of ancestors knocking about all over the place. And so, but it takes maybe decades to find find the, the, the right relative who's got the right old photo. But they do, you know, they will come. And that's, that's what I mean about being persistent. It's interesting because sometimes you find a relative who doesn't really think much of it. They just have these photos blocked away in a book and they, you know, they didn't really think about who they have photos of, but if you ask, you ask to go through the photos and see, then you might find something interesting that you never thought you'd find. Absolutely, I, I, entirely, entirely right. And, and of course, it may not, they may not mean much to that person. Right. But once you really appreciated them and explained how much they mean to you, then that person who owns them might then begin to appreciate what they've got more because they can sort of see how important they are to someone else. Yeah. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of stuff out there <laughs> which is relevant to our ancestry, but which can sometimes take a long, a long time to ferret out and find. But it's, it's absolutely worth it and and, and terribly interesting. I've, I've 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 likened this business to doing a, a sort of something like a crossword puzzle or a complicated puzzle. But instead of it just being any old puzzle, the whole puzzle is about you. And so over the years, you gradually puzzle out how things fit together and where bits of bits of the jigsaw are. And um, it's, it's, it's a wonderfully interesting thing to do. You're saying that we're all connected, or the more you do this work, you realize how more connected we are. And mm. I think this is just a huge slap in the face to white supremacists or anyone who has a nationalist type of attitude. So I think it's just interesting about this connectivity piece. Yes, no, I, I'd agree with you. I'd, I'd say any sort of supremacist, but, but, but yes, in the early 20th century, in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, 
people all over the world, actually, not just not just white people. Were, uh, I mean, the Chinese were at it as well, and various other people. But, but actually, you would almost say every race was trying to prove that they were the they were the best race and they were superior. And and, and you find a lot of argument about different races and who was superior to who else, all based on using genealogy, all using genealogy, and trying to use the subject of genealogy to prove sort of that, that your bunch of people were, were separate from everyone else and better than everyone else. And the one thing that, that's really emerged from genetic studies is how completely baseless those arguments were. And you just can't, you can't, I mean, there are lots of other ways you can try and sort of believe that you're better than other people. And, you know, everyone does it to a certain extent. But you, you cannot use genealogy logically to prove anything other than the fact that we are all one big family and we're all interconnected. And, and there's nothing you can do about that. And and the older those older arguments, some of which are quite sort of chilling when you when you read them, just can't. They just just don't stand up to to, to, to modern scrutiny. I mean, of course, people get around that by ignoring the facts and ignoring the science. Of course, don't they? And, and so 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 it goes on. And it, in many ways, that's an annoying thing. But um, but no, but you 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 can't you can't use genealogy or. or logically to prove any sort of superiority of anyone over anyone else. No, you can't. And indeed, the more you go into genealogy, the more you realise what a ludicrous notion that is and how absurd it is. Yes, and it's, it's a sort of humbling and interesting thing. But it's, you're, you're quite right. And again, it's another reason why, why it's a good idea to have as many people doing their genealogy as possible, because then the, fact, the facts are just there in front of you to see. And they're, they're, very, they're very plain to see. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this, Anthony. Well, that's no, it's been enjoyable. Yeah. I hope that's been helpful to you. Um, no, it's been nice talking to you, and I hope it was helpful. Yeah, yes, it definitely was. I'm I'm inspired now. I I'm, I'm going to go See? and you should I'm going to I'm going to sign up tonight. I am going to take a swab, send it in, yeah. not just to anyone. I'll send it <laughs> to an actual DNA agency. Family, yeah. family tree, family tree DNA are the they're still the original, like yeah. the original and best. Yeah, it has to be said that the ancestry one is now got a vast database. Yeah, it's good. They have a lot of people, but there's way more resources. I feel on yeah. family tree DNA. I mean, actually, the, the clever the, the clever thing to do actually, well, that'll cost you more money, is actually to have tests with the different the different beef companies because they've each of course got yes. their own database. And it's actually getting access to the database of other people, which is that yeah. that's what you want. And that's where the real knowledge and information comes from. I've tested with four companies. Yeah, exactly. Quite. So, so yeah. And you, you really should. It's, yeah. Well, first of all, you've got evidence that, um, that, that, that they're giving you the accurate, um, yeah. accurate reading. <laughs> um, but also, uh, the more connections you make, the, the, the yeah. clearer the, the picture becomes. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So we gained a wealth of knowledge today from Anthony about genealogy, genetic testing, and researching your family heritage. I think it was great for anybody that wants to get started on researching their family history. Including me. I'm going to go ahead and submit my sample because, yeah, I, I, I really have no excuse now. No, you don't. I think, I mean, if I think if anybody's actually interested in it, you really have no excuse. It's 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 a lot of fun. Well, then again, I'm a history buff, but I think it's a lot of fun. 
to get your results, take a look at where your ancestors maybe came from and get to know people, interact with people that are related to you that you've never met before. Sometimes it's it really is a surprise. I've gotten a lot of surprises in matches. I've gotten a lot of surprises just tracing the origins of my mitochondrial DNA. And also probably, I mean, I guess maybe at least once a year lately, recently, there've been updates to most, if not all of the DNA companies' algorithms for how they determine your genetic makeup. So you will get updates. It'll, you'll get an email that says, oh, our, our, our algorithms and, and the way that we calculate your DNA have been updated. So here's an updated, here's an updated result for you. And as time goes on, they get more and more accurate and they're more and more able to pinpoint specifically where parts of you are from. And if you've done a DNA test and if you've discovered something interesting or even surprising about your ancestry, let us know. We want to hear what you've discovered and what you thought of the process. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed talking to Anthony. It was, it was a great conversation. So thank you, Anthony, so much. Anthony does great work in helping people research their genealogy and helping them with DNA testing. Check out Anthony's website, anthonyadoff.co.uk. He also has several books that he's written, Tracing Your Family History. There's a children's book, Who Am I? The Family Tree Explorer. And In Search of Our Ancient Ancestors, From Big Bang to Modern Britain in Science and Myth. And he has a host of other books as well that he's written. And you can check out all the links to the books and to his website on our website in the show notes. That's going to do it for this episode of Bound by the Cloak. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Anthony about genealogy and DNA. And get out there and do your own test. And let us know what you find. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>